You're listening to Pain to Power Podcast, a series of inspirational stories from world-class leaders and high achievers, where you will hear all about past traumas, hardships, and getting through the pain, fighting against all odds, dominating goals and dreams, and now impacting lives. I am your host, Kayla Cardona. This is the podcast that will have you realize your own vision of success, regardless of your circumstances, to unlock your potential. Welcome to Pain to Power. Let's go. Hey guys, thank you so much for tuning in. I'm really excited for you to listen to this interview. Um, I know it took me a while for me to post it, but long story short, I had an issue with the audio, didn't know how to fix it. It got fixed. We're all good. Um, so a little bit about this interview, Yee. Let try to see if you can guess who it is. Uh, in 2010, he founded an advertising and technology company that grew to an eight-figure business. His success in the tech sector allowed him to branch into the financial markets. Finding a new love in the trading markets, he founded Pacer Capital in 2014. From its inception, Pacer Capital focused heavily on cryptocurrency. In 2015, uh, him and his team founded the Watchers Huntunt Facebook group, which grew to become one of the leading sources for free, high-quality information on cryptocurrency. Today, he continues to focus on his passion for helping others succeed in the crypto markets and all fronts of the business work. If you haven't already guessed, um, this phenomenal human being and a good friend of mine, Chase Hero, you guys will love this one. Chase Hero, thank you so much for being on today. I'm really excited to get it. Finally, this is happening. Yeah. Um, I know we spoke a few times and I'm like, Chase, God damn it, you're so freaking busy. Yep. But it's finally happening. Um, so thank you and I, again. Absolute honor. So I want to start from the very beginning. I know your story is absolutely mm -hmm. phenomenal. I'm super excited to get into it. Um, we'll start with the listeners to that don't know already about you. Yep on where you're like where you're from where you grew up and um just kind of start from from the beginning yep um so from the midwest grew up in a small town called sun prairie right it's exactly how it sounds a little prairie with some sun on it uh super super small town super small beginnings um very poor uh i, I don't think i knew we were poor at when we were young though mm. i I think when you live in poverty, you just assume everybody's poor. I don't know. Well, because it becomes your world. Correct. You don't know anything else but that. It's funny because like when you when I was a kid, I never thought that. But then you look back as like an adult now that I have children, I'm like, oh my gosh, mm -hmm. that is crazy. Um, so yeah, grew up very small, small town. Uh, believe it or not, did very well in school. Uh, got in a lot of trouble. Um, you know, money was an object. Uh, lost my father young. So it was my sister who's older and my mother who was just put through the worst time of her life, you know, with losing my father and then having a hellraiser as a son like myself. Um, I thought I should man up. Unfortunately, I was bad at everything, minus selling drugs. Really good at that. Didn't even use them, which was crazy. Uh, it was even crazy to all of the arresting officers when I eventually got in a lot of trouble. Mm -hmm. But, uh, you know, did it out of necessity. Uh, didn't want my mom to lose my sister and I. So how old were you? Let's back up a little bit. Yes. How old were you when you first started cutting? 14 years old. You started selling drugs when yeah. you were 14 years old. Yup. And it was easy. It was actually, believe it or not, in 
rough communities that I knew of and when I grew up, that was really common because kids were minors. And so we were kind of like the foot soldiers between all of the mass movements. So mm -hmm. if someone like me gets in trouble, I'm gonna serve a lot less worse of a sentence than say a grown adult, right? Because mm -hmm. you're a child, you're malleable, you can be manipulated, you're not in your own cognitive record, whatever that is, until you're 18 or however the law says. Um, unfortunately, that wasn't the case for me. They tried me as adult, but again, that's going forward. Um, but yeah, 14 years old, uh, really small, selling weed. Really uh -huh. just around the areas I lived in. Uh, maybe made $500 a week, but that was enough for rent, wow. cable, mm -hmm. the stuff, you know, and then my mom would be able to get a car that didn't break down all the time or things like that. So how was your relationship with your mom and did she know what you were doing? You know, <laughs> that's a great question. Um, relationship with my mom was, was great. Uh, I, I think she was curious as to how I was getting the money, but I think when you're like in the shit, as they say, you don't think much about mm -hmm. it, you know? And I don't know, you know, I don't know what it's like for you when you've been back to the wall, but you stop thinking logically. Yeah. So it's kind of more of like survival. Um, so I'm sure she knew, I mean, she couldn't have been stupid. I'm like young and I'm making money. What like young kid makes money in like cash. She never asked you or just kind of. No, she did, but you lie. You know what I'm yeah. saying? You make excuses. Oh, I wash cars. Oh, I wash windows. Yeah. Oh, I run errands, you know? Yeah. like. If you don't mind me asking, how did you lose your father? Um, so, you know, I don't, I, I hate talking about the specifics of it, but like, long story short is um, in a really rough way, uh, he had a bad heart and uh, he had a heart attack right when my parents were talking about getting back together. And so he was supposed to have a phone call with my mother and never answered. They went to his home. Oh. So in fact, they found him. Um, it was tough. I was young, uh, and he was the only thing that kept me sane because I lived in like a family. So you were girl. close to him. Oh yeah, and you know they, my my parents, you know, split young, but I ventured to my father a lot. You know, yeah, he was fun. You know, as a kid, mm -hmm. you go to the fun parent. Like what's fun? My mom was always stressed in reality, and then I later realized that the depth in the relationship should have been with my mother because she was the one actually mm -hmm. struggling to make sure I didn't raise up to be just like him and. So it was just you and your sister, you said? Correct, yep. Okay. So tell me about going through school. And you said you got into, you did had good grades, yep. which you're right, it is a shocker. I'm just kidding. Yeah, but that's but you, that's got into, you got into trouble. Yep. So what happened there? Like what, what made you decide to rebel? You know, I don't think it was an act of rebelling. I think it was an act of uncomfortability. You mm -hmm. know, I... Uh, Kind of how like when I sit, I move a lot, you know, my body is really has a really rough time at rest. Um, so, yeah, I mean, just it's tough on the move, you know, it's just. So I, you just were more active and it's not so much like. Yeah, getting it's, correct. It's just me getting out of myself and trying to find my place. The thing is, is like when you go to school and especially in the small beginnings, they assume you to be a certain way. When you start acting out and stuff like that, they assume that to be wrong. Mm, yeah. uh, I didn't see it that way. I thought of me doing a very intensive research on what not to do and mm. then find what I did like. And uh, I just wanted to find what made me feel whole. And I just knew deep down inside me that I was like destined for more. Now granted, growing up in a small town, my definition of more was like, I want to make 150 grand a year and drive a nice truck. Mm. So again, jaded. 
But yeah, I, I don't think I've ever been a person who's like, let me go test authority, like, fuck the man. Mm. I think it was always like, I don't like the way I feel. Like, why am I uncomfortable in my own skin? And mm. constantly trying to just audit the situation and run these tests to figure out what makes me feel comfortable. And I found that putting myself in challenging situations that most people crumple in mm -hmm. is what I thought what I loved. And unfortunately, I didn't have this mass network to learn about business and entrepreneurialism and all these things that are out there now. I had, who are the people who tested the law and authority and did things their way? Well, fucking people who sold drugs, right? right. And they seemed to have everything they wanted. So... Well, selling drugs is kind of like, it is, okay, so you being exposed to that, because I'm assuming it was very common for you, Absolutely. right? Yep. So seeing that it was kind of, and I've heard um, it on a podcast before, I think Tony and I were listening to it on the way here, and they said something along the lines of drug dealers and entrepreneurs are very much the same thing. One is just illegal, the other is not. Correct. So is that what around what age did you start kind of seeing that and realizing i want more you know the funny th so that so you know 15 16 year olds they start to go through puberty and you realize that you can create a lot with your hands is when i wanted more now granted i never thought i was like an entrepreneur like mm -hmm. it, you know people always like you felt that thing no i just felt weird right like Feel like they got this answer for this feeling. I'm like, please explain to me how you figure that out. I mm -hmm. felt uncomfortable, right? So I don't have an answer to that. You know what I'm saying? I mm -hmm. just, I was, just, I was just different. You know, so I just, I did what I thought would produce an outcome that I wanted to be in. Mm -hmm. That's it. Like there was no other reason behind it, but that's what I wanted. And it wasn't like I'm gonna be an entrepreneur. It just so happened that I was challenging myself every single day. So I got this high from it. Didn't mm -hmm. do the drugs. And I made oh, so you didn't do the drugs? No, 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 mm -hmm. no. I think my first time I ever been touching like cocaine or something, I was like 25 years old. I was like, all right, I got incarcerated for this. I went through all this shit. What is the hype about this? And then I think as most people, not telling people they should go out and do things, but I think most people, when they test something out, they realize it's not all what it cracked out to be. It's not mm -hmm. like not what people say it is, right? Mm -hmm. You know, like they say marijuana makes all these things. All of a sudden you get stoned for the first time. You're like, that's not at all what it was like. So. Right. Again, I, it wasn't like I was this entrepreneur. I just fell into the uncomfortability. If you put me in a position where I don't feel together, I'm gonna try to grab every piece to fill, figure out the puzzle. Got it. So entrepreneurship just happened for me. It was just me constantly going because it doesn't happen until years and years later. I, excuse me, I proceeded to screw up and screw up and screw up far before I ever really started on my true path of being an entrepreneur, I would say. Mm -hmm. so it's just interesting. So tell me about when you said that you got locked up. Yep. What happened? Um, so it all started because I got in a lot of trouble. So there's this thing that if you're a habitual criminal, they start like, the, it amplifies the charges, right? So first things is I'd get pulled over and I'd have weed in the car, right? And then, you know, maybe I got caught selling some weed, right? And then I started finding out that I could take money from my stepfather without him knowing, put the money back without him knowing, and use that money to buy pounds of marijuana, okay? Mm -hmm. So doing that, I got caught by the bank on cameras signing checks. So that is what sprung all of this up, but I already had all of these other cases behind it. Mm -hmm. So by the time that came on, it was just felonies, and it was all these big crimes on top of getting caught selling drugs, okay? so. 
now I'm in all this trouble and I'm out at a party in, in Madison, Wisconsin, and I'm in my car, not even fucking driving it, but in the passenger seat. And a friend of mine jumps into my seat and gets me into the driver's seat as the cops are walking up to the car. They know I don't. So he comes up to the car. There's weed in the car. We've been drinking. So mm -hmm. I run out of the car, but out of the driver's door, right? Weed in the car. They gave me my final, like, third strike, okay? So at that point, I was already on house arrest, right? I had a little monitor. I had to breathe into this fucking stupid machine. And they had already locked me up for, like, 30 days, 90 days at a time that I just ran. I just cut it off, and I ran. Uh, I ran to friends' houses in the state of Wisconsin a bunch, and they came one by one, and they came to my college, and then eventually I ran to California, where they came, um, and they didn't send me home. Mm. And it was really weird. You know, they arrested me, and they told me they were sending me home. Uh, you know, two guys knock on my door. I'm smoking a blunt, see, or a, a bong. See, I hadn't changed anything. I didn't, like, go through some big growth change yet. Mm -hmm. um, and, yeah, they just hauled me off. And then I find out that they're not going to arrest me and take and send me off because the state of Wisconsin felt like they had got enough out of me. So they didn't like, want you to come back. They're like, fuck this. <laughs> they're I like, think, you can keep them. <laughs> I think that's the real answer. I, honestly, it's funny. I think, and it, I said that to my lawyer. I'm like, they're like, no, they, they feel like, you know, you've done your time. I'm like, are you sure they just don't want me back there? <laughs> you know what I'm saying? So, uh, so I was a free man, sort of, right? Mm -hmm. You know, I couldn't go home when my family members died to bury them. You know, I missed births. I missed fucking everything. I couldn't vote. You know, I just got a passport after being 34 years old. You know, I haven't gotten a lick of trouble in 14 years, like nothing. Uh -huh. um, but, you know, to some people that doesn't mean anything. So, yeah, I mean, it was hard and it was arduous, but, you know, we got here. What about your mom right now? My mom is good. You know, uh, four years ago for Christmas, I had her quit her job and let her retire, and I just told her I got you forever, right? Oh my God. So, I you know, love she's that. great. Uh, but, it, you know, it, it gets darker because uh, it doesn't end in, you know, greatness there. So, uh, she had a husband, uh, my stepfather, who's just an amazing man. Um, he was on Ambient, and he got really strong doses of Ambient. Uh, he'd always come to my house, and he loved this car I had. It was a Cadillac CTSV. It's like the coupe. So Ambient, really quick. It's like a sleep medicine. It's like uh, okay. he had Stills disease, and it like hurts his bones. He couldn't sleep. Okay. So Ambient's like a really heavy sleep sedative. I mean, it is fucking intense. Yeah. No, I've heard of it. I just didn't really know like, what it was. Yeah, it's, it's okay. intense. So the doctor gave him a higher dosage. So Ambient has all these side effects. One of these side effects is like sleepwalking or, you know, going through your normal tasks while actually not even being awake. You know, like people have like gone out and like, thought making sandwich and they really just cut their whole hand, <gasps> their fingers off their hand and they put it on a piece of bread they start eating it they have no idea what's going on because they're completely in a in like a transient state okay i think one of the kennedys was pulled over like forever and ever ago on the side of the road in his car he had crashed and he's in his underwear and they're like what are you doing he's like i'm going to vote right <laughs> so he had no idea what's going on wow so for my stepfather I sent him this car. He wasn't supposed to be driving it because it wasn't plated. He obviously was. Everybody was saying he was. Mm -hmm. cool. I don't care. Mm -hmm. He's 30 days from retiring. We're going to move him down to the, my Caribbean home. He can fish. Every, I mean, he's just, he deserved it so much. Greatest guy in the whole world. Mm -hmm. he, someone like me deserves to get struck down far before he does. You know, right. it's just terrible. Um, he woke up one morning in his underwear, got in the car, backed out the driveway and drove straight down the street. I guess had the gas just floored and into a tree. 
It's all she wrote. Mm-hmm. So my mom destroyed. Lost her first husband. Now lost her second husband. You know, we brought her in. My kids really helped. You know, and now, poor fucking soul, her new boyfriend, who's just so amazing, just found out his cancer's coming back. So it's like, she, she's great, especially for everything she goes through. You know, like, people always talk about, like, coming from the bottom and make dysfunctionality seem cool. It really isn't. You know, mm-hmm. like, my family's kind of all over the place. You know, like, my sister and I relationship is rocky at best. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, my mom, I love her, and she loves me, but there's, you know, always static here and there. Yeah. For no other reason than we're all just living different lives now. So it's tough. Yeah, yeah. So let, let's go back a little bit, um, back to you. Um, sorry, I just got a little emotional right now. I'm sorry. You're okay. I'm the <laughs> one trying to, like, I'm all trying to be all mad not lose my street cred over here. I'm like... <laughs> <laughs> you know, like um, if you see me turn the other way, you know exactly what's going on. I'm yeah. gonna be like, oh. <laughs> uh, let's go. Let's go back to the point where you're, you're, you know, in California. Mm-hmm. Wisconsin no longer wants you. Yep. Um, so obviously there was a turning point for you yep. to kind of put your energy into something more um, positive, more, yeah. more that pays bigger obviously you do very well for yourself when was that and when what was your 20 turning point for you yep so it was not much farther after i they had come to arrest me in california and let me back free and uh it didn't even happen right away it happened when i was i was working construction at that time you know like i was a guy doing finish working and it happened when i went to this guy i believe his house his name was tim allen like the tool man on tv you know Mm -hmm, yeah he had money in casinos on the water. So he didn't have to pay Indian gaming money back to the tribes, which is whatever. I don't know how people do that, but whatever. I guess that was a loophole. Mm-hmm. I only know that because he's like, this house was built on an Indian burial ground because it always had all these issues. And I asked him how he got away with doing that when everything was backed against him. And he told me, if you make enough money, you can get away with anything. And like as a young kid, you really don't think about that. But like someone who's like in the middle of getting in trouble, looking at this guy is telling me all these insane shit, making my problems seem like completely like whatever. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. He's talking about like power authorities of like states and stuff. And it really clicked with me. So I just started working super hard at that job, picking up side jobs to the point where I picked up so many side jobs that I was making like five times what I would make in a month, in a week doing the side jobs. So I ended up building my own construction company, and you'd think it's like, hurrah, mm. 2008 hits. Mm. Market goes to shit. Finished yep. construction was the first place to go because we were getting paid a fortune to do last-minute walkthroughs. So I saw the writing on the wall, and I had met a young man at a car wash of all places. He had a Maserati, and I had a Range Rover that I could not afford. Mm. And uh, we ended up hanging out for the weekend, Believe it or not, this is, you know, it sounds terrible, but it was the first time I had done cocaine, okay? Mm-hmm. And, and how old were you? I was 25 years old. 25. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was the first time I had ever done any of that, right? And I sat there with him, and he goes, I had no friends. He had, mm-hmm. like, no friends. We were both kind of these, like, lonely misfits in Los Angeles trying to find our way. And I met with him on Friday, left his house on Sunday, and we ended up, he ended up showing me how to make money online. I made 10 grand over a weekend, okay? 
And then I was like, and you make it on paper, and it seems all cool, and it doesn't really hit until all of a sudden it hit my bank account. It's the first wire I ever had in my whole life. And this oh. is in 2008. Yeah, this is, this, yes, 2008. And I'm okay. like, oh my God, this is crazy. And a wire? Like, what's a wire? Mm-hmm. They're like, I need this information from your bank. I'm like, what? Like, how are you, send me a check. They're like, yeah. we don't do that. We're going to send you a wire. Yeah. I'm like, all right. 10 grand hits. It doesn't hit Monday. So I'm like, oh, this is stupid. It didn't even work, you know, because mm-hmm. Sunday comes, I'm supposed to get my money. Tuesday, the money clears. $10,000. In so just a weekend. I pr- proceeded to sell my construction business for like 100 grand, which was like fractions of pennies in the dollar, what it was worth. That's why I got rid of it so quick. And I mm-hmm. invested that money into this business. That business went, you know, up and down all over the place. There's little hustles here and little tricks on the internet before the internet became this very robust, uh, adaptive uh, ecosystem it is now. And I'd make 200K a year, 300, maybe 80. It just would go all over the place. It was not stable. I went broke twice because, you know, first month I made 50K. I think I spent like 250K on credit cards thinking it would never end, like Ferraris and Maseratis. I had like 11 cars at one point, and I remember it was like two months, they would just kept repoing them. It was oh. the worst feeling. I just would, I would tell my neighbors, like, oh, they're just putting them in my other garage. <laughs> I'm like, no, motherfucker, that shit's getting repoed. I'm like, oh, yeah, yeah, man. it is. Um, and it wasn't until I had a really bad falling out with that group of friends. Um, you know, they'd show me what to do on the internet, and then they did me really, really dirty. Um, you know, the company went under, and because I wasn't spending as much as them, I actually still had money left over. And they proceeded to blackmail me to give them all of my money. Uh, they wrote all these heinous things about me online. You know, they got everybody to not work with me. So like I came from having, being known and people working with me to literally no one would touch me. Like hmm. no one. So I couldn't raise, I had no money. I couldn't raise money. They took my money. They kicked me out of my house that I paid for, that we shared on my birthday. They said, let's bygones be bygones. We got a gift for you. I walk outside, it's a fucking U-Haul. They're like, get out. I'm like, I got my girl. I was like, we'll leave. I didn't, didn't want the confrontation. I was just over it. I was just defeated. And, um, you know, it was a low point of my life. You know, they put, you know, you know, because I was a felon, I had no gun. But, man, who would have thought if I did? Mm. Very low. Um, and it took me two years of just taking a complete beating to realizing that it was the best thing that ever happened to me. So, you know... I didn't, I didn't work with them. I went broke, you know, fast forward just a little bit, you know, you're getting into 2011 now and the end of 2011, I asked this guy, Ted Danik for 25,000 bucks. I knew he just sold MySpace or he exited to this network solution. He was one of the owners, the original founders. Oh. So yes, yeah, so him and Tom went and started these other businesses, uh, lower my bills now engage VDR. Um, and I was like, he's rich. And you know how like everybody does to rich people. Like, how did you get in contact with him? In the affiliate game. So I met him through a mutual friend. I had met him five seconds one night in Beverly Hills, and he had rented Spago out for dinner for everyone. Oh, wow. And I was like, ooh, he's rich. Can I have 25 grand? And I get, tried to give some sob story thinking, oh. Oh, so you just asked him out of the blue, didn't yep. really know him. Okay. And he gave me an ask you out of the blue answer. He said, go fuck yourself. <laughs> uh, <laughs> it, was a, it was the perfect answer for any person who just blatantly asked someone for money. Yeah. That should be what you should respond to yourself. Where I learned that the yeah. hard way. Um, but a week later, you know, he'd asked around about me. He's like, oh, this kid's really hungry. You know, he tries. He, you know, I'm a hustler. Long story short, he ended up hitting me up. Uh, we didn't talk for a few weeks. I was going through a really tough time. I had knocked my now wife, girlfriend then, 
up for, like I said, a third time. Okay. Okay. And I, I was trying to convince her to have her third abortion. Again, I told you. Right. Piece the of shit. Like the a first terrible... two times you told her yeah. to have an abortion. Why is it? Is it because you're just in a bad place? No, I don't. Fuck. I, I don't think anybody ever is really prepared for kids or like, yeah. you know, like some people say I want kids, but I, even they, I think they don't even really know what they're saying. You know what I'm saying? I like, agree. I think yeah. society told them to say, I want kids, and that's it. Because when you have kids, first off, you realize how amazing it is, but you also realize it's nothing at all what anybody else says. And here's the thing. It doesn't relate at all to anyone else's kids. Like, I t teach my first daughter this way. None of that works in my second daughter, right? right? My second daughter, on my third daughter, none of the shit from the first two work. You know, my mm -hmm. son that's coming, he'll probably... I'll have to teach him in like Farsi or something for all I know. Like it'll be completely different. So right. people think they have this idea of, you know, when to have kids. So I wasn't ready and I was broke and mm -hmm. I'm a piece of shit who only cared about himself and my chick was hot. I was like, oh man, you ain't gonna be hot no more, right? Dumbass, <laughs> shitty person. I'm just being completely honest. Yeah. Like, I didn't think that way. So she leaves. So she gets pregnant for the third time Correct. and you tell her to have another abortion. And she says, if I'm having an abor abortion, I'm out. I said, see you later. And how long were you with her at this point? Uh, two years, three years, something like that. So we and you were so okay with letting her go. Peace. Wow. You know what I'm saying? Okay. Because again, I'm just a shitty fucking person. Um, okay. And uh, two years, uh, just about two years. I, I go back and think about it. So she leaves, goes back to, uh, you know, was uh, Minnesota where she's from. I didn't want her to leave. I loved her. I just didn't want, I didn't love this idea. Did she decide to keep the third? So she went back home and her mom was like, you're not getting an abortion. And so she kept, so we were talking every day and she's like, I'm not gonna get rid of it. I'm gonna keep it. I'm like, oh fuck. Well then come on back. We'll figure it the fuck out. <laughs> Problem was I had no money. I had eight grand. Okay. But I had spent six of it flying my dogs and her home because like, Talk about with your tail between your legs. I can't like make my girlfriend who has no job fly herself home and like talk $6, about six thousand dollars to fly her a, and the a dog? dogs. I, I have French bulldogs that have cleft palates. I had to fly them on a special airway, Pet Airways. Oh, okay. It's now bankrupt, but it was like eight hundred bucks a dog, right? And you had to like special all this bullshit. Yeah. All her luggage, ship it all back, all her stuff. It was a nightmare. So we're talking. She's like, I'm gonna keep it, and I'm like. I, I'm the most superstitious person in the world. I seriously am. Like, I sit the same way. I do the same things. I am a, truly convinced that, and I'm religious, that God wants my wife and I to have children because every time I have a ch child, my company just blows up. It just expands so much faster than we are every single time. So okay. I literally decide I'm having this child. Two days after that, this Ted Danik, who I asked for money, tells me to come to his office at like 9 p.m. at night. I'm like, they gonna kill me or something? Like, how's this internet shit go? Like, these all gangsters? Uh -huh. Nope. He had a guy named Thomas Joyce uh, and Nate Pupko in this office who owned a company. They showed me how to make money like I make money today. They showed me where to run, where to put the ads, where to do everything. Mm -hmm. I leave that office at like 10.30 at night and they look at me so seriously like, Chase, do not fuck this up. And they kept saying that to me. Like, why do you keep telling me not to fuck this up? And I realized it's because they thought I was a fuck up, which oh. rightfully I was. And so I go home. They told me, you're going to double your money tomorrow. And I'm like, they're like, how much money you got? I'm like, I got some money. Like, when you're that broke, you don't want to tell people to the dollar how much money you got. I'm like, I got some money. Like, how much money you got? I'm like, I got $2,018 to the T. And they're like, on a credit card? I'm like, nope, debit card. They're like, 
they looked at me like, oh my God. <laughs> I put that on, right? I attached my debit card to a Facebook You put the, all your, yeah, all I, your I, money. I, I set my budget for two grand. Like, it spends it as it goes, but I set that's how much that I'll spend with Facebook. They told me I was going to make 4 k I trust these guys. They're all rich in this huge office. They drive these insane cars. I'm like, uh -huh. I need this in my life. I would willing to trust a fucking leprechaun at that point. Anything would have given me um, some solace in my life. So they do that. They're like, don't fuck this up. At midnight, go home and start this, right? So I go home. It's midnight. I turn that thing on. And they're like, now sit there and watch it for a couple hours and make sure everything's working and tracking. You know, the internet's weird. Mm. With pixels. I'm like, pixels? They're like, this thing. I'm like, might not work. All right, so I get home, completely beat from like the last months of my activities, turn this fucking thing up, like this joint. And it was like the most pathetic joint you've ever seen. You know, it's like got stems and shit in it, like a little, <laughs> a little bit of the resin from it scraped inside the bowl to add on to there. I'm like, oh, I got this. So maybe my last one. And I'll take it. <laughs> correct. Like, I got nothing. I got like, let's go. Light that shit up, pass out. <gasps> shit. Start these ads, pass out. Oh. Wake up the next morning, not at like six or five, like any sound human, be like 11 in the afternoon, okay? Uh-huh. Embarrassed. Appalled with myself. Didn't really understand how much I, how I could be such a piece of shit and fuck it up, even when they told me that many times. I will never forget looking at my phone, seeing like 35 missed calls from Teddy, the guy who yeah. showed me, and, and I just started crying, like crying, crying, like... The kind of crying you don't want anybody to see you cry. You know, like, there's some crying. Like, I cry in a movie next to my wife. That's all right. She loves me for it. She's yeah. like, that's sexy. You know, but, like, uh -huh. this type of crying is, like, <laughs> like shit hanging from your face. Like, ah, you're, like, just hysterical, yeah. right? Yeah. So he calls me, like, 20 fucking times. <clears throat> I answer. He's like, bro, what the fuck's going on, man? You're not responding to me. What? We, just, we spent all this time. Like, how is it doing? And I'm like, I haven't looked in. I just got up, man. He's like, you just got up? What the mm. fuck? I told you not to fuck this up. Why are you a fuck up? I'm like, oh, God. I log in, spent 1200 bucks. I'm like, my heart, now my heart's racing. I'm like, mm. okay, so it's spending money. And it's like, you know when you think you got a winning lottery ticket, you're just so excited to crack that yeah. thing open. So I like get into the tracking software, right? I'm like, yeah. just make like 1300 bucks. Like be up $100, right? I go to hit it, hits refresh, zero. Oh, my Had it made a cent. The pixel, it was fucked. Yeah. The, I literally dropped the phone out of my hand. Mm. Like, just. That's your last. I'm over. Like, I ran from the law. I'm a felon. My parents got no money. I burned Girlfriend's every relationship crying. I had prior to this one. My girl thinks I'm a piece of shit. Her family thinks I'm a piece of shit. My own family thinks I'm a piece of shit. Now these guys who gave me a chance also think I'm a piece of shit, right? So I go dark for like six hours. And he proceeded to call me a billion times to the point where I answer and he's and I'm like, bro, I need time. He's like, shut the fuck up. I'm like, oh God, this is bad, right? He's like, log back in. He's like, the pixel didn't fire. You made money. Go look. <gasps> I log back in $3,200. Oh so I'd spend $1,200 to make $3,200. And now I'm at this point of where it's like, I'm numb. I don't know if they're fucking with me. I don't know if they're being nice and just realizing that I'm really in a bad spot. I don't know what's going on. So he's like, spend the rest of the money. And I'm like, all right. I turn my Facebook ad and spend the rest of the 800 bucks. made 4,000 bucks. Okay. So just like they said, I double my money. I made a little bit more. The advertiser paid me that night, like sent me a wire. So it cleared the next day by the time Facebook went. And he told me, Chase, I'm going to send you 15,000 or it was 10,000. It was more. And he's like, spend it all. 
And I'm like, bitch, I ain't got that kind of money. I ain't going to spend that. I got four grand now. Mm-hmm. So I spent five just to put a little more. I made $12,000 net. Okay. So I have two grand in my name. Now the second day I do this, now I've got two more plus 12. So now I went from 2000, right? To $16,000 to my name in two days. All right. I'm like, holy shit. So I told my girl, I was like, I need two weeks. I'm not avoiding you, but I just need two weeks. I think I got something that's going to change everything for us. All right. And I said, pack your fucking bags. You're coming home. We're going to raise this kid together. Let's do this. Mm -hmm. Right. So it took me a little longer. It took me all of December. I flew out towards the end of December. The first 14 days of January, that following year, I did 1 million net. Oh my God. $1 million in my bank account. Net. Including all the, my whole life changed overnight. And I've been doing the same thing every, ever since, you know, that's your 2011, it's 2020 for almost 10 years. Same exact process, same thesis, same idea, super basic. I'm not some savant. I'm not, I'm really not. I'm not some tech guy. I, I, I don't have some different thing inside of me. I, I, I'm none of that. I'm mm-hmm. just glorification of normality. That's mm-hmm. all it is. It's being a jack of all trades is the stupidest thing in the world. Being really good at one thing and then being all right at other shit that complement that thing, that's a cool thing. I am really good at one thing. Now maybe two because of over the years, uh-huh. but I'm really good at buying a customer on Facebook. I can pick and choose the product I want. I'm not a messiah that can make every product work. No one can. No <laughs> one can. Um, <laughs> But I understand people, right? Mm-hmm. I, I'm not here to judge you. I don't judge anybody. I, I, my company's based in the Caribbean. I've been on Jeffrey Epstein's island on his helicopter. Like, I, I don't judge anybody. I don't mm-hmm. dig into anything. I'm not that kind of guy. I just never have been. Maybe I'm wrong. Maybe I'm wrong. I don't know what that is. All I do in my life is think about my why and what I want to do in life, take care mm-hmm. of my kids and live a good life, and think about how I can make money ethically and give my consumer more value that they're happy to pay me money. Literally, my entire life revolves around that metrics, and that's it. So I pick products that they've already proved to have likeness for, or want, or products like products they want. It's like, hey, if you brush your hair, you probably also want to put stuff in your hair. So common sense. Whoa! (laughs) You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Because the thing is, is everybody tries to overcomplicate things to make themselves feel somewhat smarter. Mm. And that's what destroys business. If you go back before the internet, it was no different, okay? Mm-hmm. You had huge industry. You had big business, finance, real estate, right? Mm-hmm. That's what kind of the big markets. You had a real estate company, you were in the finance game, or you had some big business. You owned like a tire shop or whatever, right? Or huge ones, right? Mm-hmm. And then as the world grew, they built smaller versions of it. Like you didn't use the huge giant insurance company, you used the regional one that was in your town, right? Or the right. regional bank or the regional builder. Everybody just copied someone else and added a little bit more of a touch to it mm-hmm. from the client to the product that made it more easy and better feeling. That's all I do. Mm. That's literally all I do except for products that people already are consuming. And I'm not always right. Sometimes I get them here on the curve. Sometimes I get them here. Uh-huh. But I'm never guessing what I need to sell. Never once have I invented a product, bought mm-hmm. a product to market. Mm-hmm. Never once have I been number one. And never once have I ever not drop shipped something either. You're just using what's already available. And <laughs> why? It's like people are like, oh, I got a house of product. I'm like, I promise you, you don't. Because I promise you someone else have that thought. 
and they did that stupid ass idea and they built that company that they hate right now, but mm. they need clients, so they'll house it for you, right? Mm. People assume because I buy my products from AliExpress or China, where everything on the planet comes from, everything, mm. yeah. <laughs> that they're somehow worse or it doesn't come fast. Here's number one. Most of it's already in the US if you're selling the right stuff anyways, right? Uh -huh. If I'm selling like a special dog collar for only a breed of dog there's a thousand of sure it's gonna be hard to find but if i'm selling products that everybody already consumes mm -hmm. and i just want them to consume for me nine out of ten chance they're already here or you can get them here really quickly wow and that's all like literally for my life that's all i've done and like recently now doing stuff like this with you and getting in the education space i only do it because I just feel like everybody puts up such a front about how amazing they are, what accolades they have, and like they just mm. alienate all of us. Like, I don't got any of those crazy accolades. Like, mm. when you wanna be like someone or do something like someone, you have to see yourself in that person. You have to admire them, otherwise you don't listen. So it's hard for me to admire someone when I can't even understand how the fuck they get to live their life like that. Like. I didn't have the perfect family. I didn't have all these, this right. functionality. So like, I feel like I'm already not able to align with you. Mm -hmm. And I just watch all these people fucking complaining and bitching about how the world's so unfair. And I realized maybe it's because there's no one that's like them doing it. So the reason mm -hmm. I have no problem answering any of the questions or like going as deep as you wanna go and you can ask me anything in the world is because we need more people who are fuck ups. Yeah. Like, it's like, I'm not a great person to look up, but mm -hmm. if I've accomplished all of this and I went through all of that mm -hmm. and you have something negative to say about me, who's at fault here? Me, who's did exactly what I set out to live in my life, or you, who's not where you're happy in life and you're mm -hmm. pointing a finger at someone else. I'm just here to tell people that if the mold was true, I'd be vapor. I wouldn't exist or we wouldn't have this conversation. The mold's not true. The mold is whatever you make it and it's different for every single person. I love so much that you just brought that up because that's exactly why Pain to Power was created. It was to get in touch with people like you, with yep. stories like yours that you came from so much poverty, you were selling drugs, like you yep. didn't have that perfect life. You weren't delivered what was on a silver platter like you know what i mean yep. so and and people like that i just adore so much and Thank i gravitate you. towards because it's like you were able to get out of that and make yourself of somebody now yep. a husband and a father yep. a wonderful father by the way Thank you. and you know it's just it's so inspiring and you're absolutely right more and more people need to hear stories like this to know it doesn't matter where you come from it doesn't matter who you are or what kind of family or if you don't have a family like it doesn't matter you can make something of yourself yeah. if you change you know if you just go for it and yeah. it and you risked so yeah. much but there was something inside of you something yeah. that you were like okay take my two thousand yeah. dollars and so Besides seeing other very successful people that you obviously, yep. they had a nice home, whatever it may be, what else happened in your mind? What was going through your head to be okay with taking that yeah. risk? So that's actually a great question. I think it's what most people suffer from. Honestly, it was, I had no choice. Like it, it was, I kept doing the same thing over and over 
and it didn't work out. And somehow in my brain, it kept pushing me down the same road and I tried all over again and it wouldn't work out. So it was just out of this necessity. It's like, fuck this. I'm doing this. I either can't do this and I'm literally not even worth the steps on the ground that I'm making, the air I'm taking, or I'm going to survive and I'll be okay. But I, in like, like I was saying, like even in a relationship, in anything in your life, if you're not committed 100%, it never works out mm -hmm. ever. Like it just doesn't, your foot needs to stay on the gas and people think you need to go a million miles an hour. Nah, you can go two miles an hour. Mm -hmm. It just, you can't go zero. Right. So, you know, you know, I, 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 I think that people need more mirrors that are relatable to them. You know, mm -hmm. we're all mirror. We're all looking at our peers and other people as a mirror. And you look at it as a reflection and it's like a two way, what you see your reflection, you see them and you see yourself and you try to align yourself being like, how are we the same? How are we different? Right? So many people can find excuses because most of the successful people for the, for the most part of what you see have some amazing story. They raised all this money or they have this crazy idea or whatever. Um, and people think it's like unattainable, right? Mm -hmm. They think somehow the world has done them a disservice and it's unfair, right? When I'm successful, there's only two things that you can think, right? Mm -hmm. Good job. Or how the fuck did this piece of shit do that? And I'm still saying I can't. And I think that is the more powerful thing. I think my superpower wasn't business. My superpower is leather skin. My superpower is the ability for you to say whatever the fuck you want about me, but don't change how my day is. I actually think that's why I was put on here. It's because I can take the most verbal onslaught you could ever lay on me, and as long as it gets you off your ass to do something, I, I welcome it. Mm -hmm. If no one in your life has ever gotten you to make a change, and because you saw me and you have such hatred because I'm loud, obnoxious, I might smoke, smoke my joint or swear or have nice cars and make people think that I'm not humble i'm not modest but i'm definitely humble that's fine because at least it drove action and really isn't that as long as people are doing shit, doesn't matter like if you're having a good or a bad life it doesn't affect me but if what i'm doing in life can affect you to have a better life thus it makes the people around you eventually that excuse me will come back to me my family my kids and the world will be a little better place and i learned that's really the truest thing and like you said it's people's mindset it's they need to get different friends. I am in true belief that every person needs to leave where they grew, were born. Because you're planted in a place where people say those are my people. Mm -hmm. But who said? Your parents? The city? When yeah. you step out of your comfort zone and you go out in the world and you look for your people and you find the people you can be exactly who you are around, right? Mm -hmm. Like you came here, I light my joint up, I don't give a shit. Mm -hmm. Like imagine if I, I hid that. Wouldn't that make me unauthentic? Could you, that's, that's the tip of an iceberg of living a life you don't want to be in. Yeah. The truest definition, in my opinion, of success is being able to be exactly who you are and people not only accept it, they mm -hmm. respect you for it. Right. Because how can anybody deny input output, right? Mm -hmm. I'm not a bad person committing crimes, right? I was a bad person in my life, but I've done all this good to build all of this output you can't question that, right. right? You just can't. Like, it doesn't matter what you think about me. I built a business that's done very well. I didn't raise money. I didn't have some Ivy League partners. I used the money I scraped together like everybody else scrapes together. Mm -hmm. So it's just, we need to bridge the gap of all of the bullshit. People just, they want it bad enough, but they don't, 
They want it, but not bad enough. Yeah. They want it. They, I always give this exercise to people. If you're on a team, right, and the team wins the game, they're the winners, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, a single, you know, they won the game. A single person is a winner, right? Hey, you won the game. You're a winner, right? Okay. Mm-hmm. So the losing team, right? Losing team. What's a singular person who's on the losing team? Loser. Okay. In life, if you're not where you want to be, you're not getting what you want out of life, what does that make you? The loser. People hate to hear that shit. Right. But that's what you're supposed to. It's just like jail. Like I say, everybody should go to jail. It's hard as fuck. People want to make it easier. Why? It's supposed to change you that quick. Right. That's the whole point of all of this. Pain is what we're supposed to walk into because our brain's so powerful to turn it into fuel. People keep forgetting that as a human being, your superpower is your brain. You know, I heard this from a pastor. It was was brilliant. He, He said he was out in Africa and he looked at this this elephant and he realized that the elephant's superpower was its size, right? It could just raw. Mm-hmm. And then he looked over at the elephant and, or at the lion and he's like, well, the superpower is his might, his, his ferocity, raw, his strength. Mm-hmm. And he looked at man and he's like, what is our superpower? And he asked God and God was like, it's your brain. People forget all the time that our brains are built to be the best under stress and challenge. It's when our brains grow. We learn how to evolve out of a situation. It starts when you're an infant child. You walk down some stairs when you first walk and it hurts. The next time you walk to those stairs, you're timid. Mm -hmm. We stop learning the same way as we get older because of outside influence. Our friends, our family, the world telling us somehow that pain is not a good thing. Pain's the best teacher in the world. It is. I don't give a shit if you got $100 million in the bank or you have negative $100 million in the bank. You go through pain. Yeah. up to a few months ago, I said to my team, I was going through the craziest depression. We're making more money than ever. My ha- family's happier than ever. And I couldn't find happiness in anything. Still struggle. Mm-hmm. Because I realized I found happiness in the challenge. I used to risk it all. Now I don't. Now I'm safe. So it's like, no matter what you do in life, you're going to run into these situations. You need to take chaos head on. Yeah. And you need to vibrate in that chaos. Because it's going to build this armor on you that the next time that situation happens and the next time and the next time because we're a repetitive species, mm-hmm. you're prepared. And it makes it seem like it's not hard. So you just mentioned right now, like you were still kind of looking for that happiness when you got everything, when you have the cars. Like mm-hmm. we were just over there looking at your cars and you're like, oh, yeah, I guess that is a cool thing. Yep. You know, but how? once a person gets everything that they've been wanting to work for or when is it then what do they do after that when they they reach their goal they hit their goal then then what well they either crash and burn or they find true purpose because most people who get money realize that they were looking for the wrong thing Mm -hmm. okay like yes that Rolls Royce made me feel awesome for like four months right Mm -hmm. and then to the average person I might be a dick but to me it's just my car Right. Because the problem with success is it changes you mm-hmm. by default, right? It changes you geographically, where you live, where you eat, where you sleep, what you drive, who you talk to, everything. Mm-hmm. So that change builds a new norm. And the things that you once set out for no longer are the things that you consider to be all this. Like you might walk in here and be like, oh my God, we just walk in here and this is just 
the warehouse. I don't look at any of this stuff exceptionally. Mm-hmm. Sometimes, sometimes I sit down and I'm proud, mm-hmm. but it takes something, some force to remind me of that. Mm-hmm. I think truly when you realize that none of this shit actually matters uh, is when you get more of it than you'll ever imagine. Because I used to buy cars because I wanted to be cool. Truly, mm-hmm. I have no problem being that. I knew people, people treat you better than nice your car. Like, Ambu mm-hmm. says they don't want to be able to pull up late as fuck to an event or a meeting and be in a Rolls Royce and I can just throw them the keys and not even say another word and they just do everything for me mm-hmm. is full of shit. If you don't say you don't want that, you're a fucking liar, right? Mm-hmm. If you're saying you don't want to deal with cops as much because they don't hassle nice cars, you're a liar. Dude, mm-hmm. You know how many times my cars broke down on the free, you know how many times I've had a broke down car in the last decade? Never. Mm-hmm. I can't even tell you. It's like people saying they don't want that, they lie. Right. So it's just coming to copes with nice shit is a byproduct of high output, okay? Mm-hmm. That's it. Once you figure out your, why you're here, it's when you truly start to shine. But again, no one has the answers. No one okay. knows exactly what they're doing. So yes, I hit all the goals I wanted to hit and I didn't take time to set new ones. Mm-hmm. So I was stuck trying to figure out what was the next thing that would excite me and it wasn't money. You know, it was like, what do you do at that point? What did you do? I'm still trying to figure it out. You know, I'm, we're still, you know, people like help more people. Like one thing I do is we do, donate a lot. We help a lot, but I do that behind closed doors. I think like help is one thing you don't ever need a medal for. Mm-hmm. A lot of people use it for that. And I think it's just kind of a little cliche. If you're helping, who cares? But for me, it was never that, you know, I don't know. I think I want something bigger. I think I want a company that employs thousands of people or, you know, I don't know. I want a challenge that I just am not prepared for. Mm. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. And not one that's like, I'm not like asking for trouble, but I'm like, I want something that tests my mind. And that's why every single day I take on new businesses, I acquire new projects to see if this is it. Mm. And I just find happiness in my family and knowing that all of us are, have mixed bags and our, all of our lives are chaotic. I at least go to sleep happy at night knowing in the time that I have choice over my free time, I'm exceedingly ex- happy with the people I'm around and what I'm doing. And I think, you know, that's right. But I mean, that's the reality of you. People want me to say, oh, here's what to do next, right? Yeah. But it's different for fucking everyone. It is. You know, yeah. I just got robbed at gunpoint in my house. I'm in the middle of trying to move to a new home when I never, I just built my dream house. Now I've got to sell my dream house while buying a new house, while moving, while my wife's pregnant, kids in school, we're only here half the year. Mm-hmm. Like it's, yeah, I'm happy. I'm happy that I am loose and able to shape shift anywhere I need to go. Like you're you know, adaptable. I, correct. I was happy. I thought about the success by, you know, this stuff, but one of the happiest moments in my life recently is when we went through this really shitty situation and the next day, I was like, well, fuck it. Let's just go buy a new house. The shitty situation is you just got robbed. Correct. For, for the listeners or viewers that yep. don't know, yep. uh, Chase has been robbed about a month ago. Yep. Right? And yep. Um, it was at gunpoint. Let's. Do you want to cover that yeah, a little really yeah. quick? Yeah. yeah. You know, when people ask me if I hate the people, and I was like, honestly, I don't. You know, like, it sucks to say that. But, like, I remember, you know, all I could see were the, their eyes, like, covered in the thing. But, like, mm-hmm. they were just, like... Just you know, young kids, but just eyes so stressed. You know what I'm saying? You have to be in a really. You shitty... saw that? 
Yeah, you you can, notice that. When someone's running at you with a gun, all you can see is directly at the gun. And what's looking down the gun? A set of eyes. Because it know? was dark, wasn't no, it? No, well, so it was, but he was in my garage. Oh, okay. So okay, it was okay, all okay. lit up. So okay. they came running. I'm in a lit garage. They hopped my fence, hit tons of houses in the neighborhood, uh, got lucky with me, you know, pulled in, perfect timing, blocked the people on the road. The driver blocked the cars, little people honking. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, hopped the fence, cocked a gun. I stuck my head around the corner. Wasn't at all situationally aware. And ran up, put a gun in, you know, took my watch, my wedding ring, all my other stuff, and uh, dipped off. Um, you know, I believe there's a positive everything. You know, I had some, you know, I have a phenomenal private security now, and I had a team look into it, and they're like, all right, we don't think they targeted you. We just think it's the neighborhood because all the other people have just gotten robbed, and we started going through all the lists. Um, and, you know, that's where we're at. So I looked at it like, okay, this is a positive. This is preparing me because I do have a social following now. It's not huge or anything, but it's growing. And I'm a very reachable person that now I live a life where my wife has armed guards always around. I have armed guards always Mm -hmm. around. You know, my homes are now behind big guard gated communities. You know what I'm saying? Like Mm -hmm. I have teams of people helping my safety now and something I didn't think would ever be a worry. It prepared me for my future. And I'm a religious man, and I believe that, you know, it was the man upstairs doing his very creative things um, to get me to prepare for that. Because I'll, I'll, I'll use one last little preacher verb, as I've heard, because I love these guys. They tell such great stories. And, and you know, Carl Lentz is, you know, I, I want to say is my pastor, uh, and he does things so much different than the rest. But, you know, um, it's really crazy when you look at things um, in a different manner. Uh, on how a situation adapts you like this. So God never made a house ever, but he's the best carpenter on the planet, right? Mm -hmm. He created a tree and gave man a brain and put him in a situation where he needed it to figure it the fuck out, right? Mm -hmm. He's like, you're going to need shelter. Better make something out of it, right? He answers the questions we most search in ourselves in ways that we aren't used to seeing. We're used to just being like, tell me the way. So he taught me to be grateful because people have it really hard out there. He taught me all about protection. He taught me all about how to live my life and how real the world is. And all these things prepared me for where I believe that I'm going to go. And I believe he does as well, hence why he prepared me in this manner. I think all of it was done for his reason. You know, sometimes we question it, but who am I to question? You know, some of the best stories come out of pain. Some of the best, you know, changes come from pain. In fact, pain is 10 times of a teacher than happiness is. Yeah. And so sometimes I could say people could be so blessed to have pain. Mm -hmm. You know, we talk about affluent kids. You know, the reason a lot of them don't amount to a lot is because they don't have the life of pain that wants them to get out of it for themselves. Yeah. So they're stuck in this mundane existence of just. Let's cover that really quick. So when we spoke about this earlier and like what I mentioned to you, what my son um, said, he felt like the greatest people on this planet today, the best athletes, um, they were all grown up raised by a single mom or in poverty and, and stuff like that. And so me, I'm, 
I grew up in like the poor middle class mm -hmm. and then I'm working really hard to make sure my son has a way better life than I had and to show him what you can have, right? Yeah. That's why I'm exposing him to this yeah. world and as I'm also working towards that because that's my goal too. Yeah. And so, and I thought about it after he said that, I'm just like, my son really hasn't gone through anything. The worst moments of our life is when he was a baby. He doesn't remember that. He doesn't remember when I slept, we slept in my car. He doesn't remember living in the shelters. He doesn't remember just everything that we've gone through. Like um, we used to sleep in a twin size bed, mm -hmm. renting rooms after rooms after rooms. Yep. He doesn't really remember that. Yep. And so now we're in the best spot of our lives financially and stuff like that so he's not exposed to any of that hardship or any of those struggles so it's like a part of me is kind of like your ass needs a struggle because you got he gives me like attitude sometimes and I'm just like excuse you like yep. you you have it so good yep. so good you don't realize and a part of me is kind of like dang the best what like what you said the best lessons come from pain and struggle and stuff yep. like that and he doesn't really have that so what could you say, like, what is your thought in, like, kids that are raised, obviously your yeah. kids that are yeah. raised in a My beautiful, yeah. Yeah, explain a little bit about your thoughts in that and what you can do to kind of fix it. Yep. Not and fix it, but, yeah. So yeah. You, you just got to look at it differently. Like, everything has a cost, okay? So if you raise your kids in affluence, you're constantly trying to raise them to be good, but it's tough to build fire when fire's not there. You can stoke a fire, right. but it's really tough to build it. So... Mm -hmm. You know, you have to teach them different things, right? You have to teach them how to utilize connections, um, how to be one of their peers. You have to uh, teach them about uh, social media and watching their peers there. And like, you need to have something that sparks interest for them to do something, right? Um, and you have to understand that when you sacrifice all of the, if you do it the right way, and no one knows, just be honest. Right. But if you do it, what I think is a good way to live with it is as you look at it, these like little sandboxes, right? Someone who comes from like poverty, their sandbox is full of pain and turmoil and like napalm. Like that fuel burns hot and long, right? right? Then you have this group over here that does have to struggle. They come from affluence, you know, their life's easy. So this sandbox needs to be filled with connections. Mm. It needs to be filled with closeness. It needs to be filled with the things that make them a good person, mm -hmm. right? Because you don't necessarily grow up a good person in pain, but you go up with gas to go far. Right. People who can go the farthest have the most gas. That's just it. People keep thinking the destination something that it's not. You need the gas to get there. If you're a really good person, you can augment the gas because you learn what it takes to build a fulfilled life, right? Mm -hmm. Money won't be the object challenge will when you have gas and you come from nothing money almost always is the prize it's why most people who come from gas make the most or like have the best stories but they also go broke the fastest mm. because there's no financial literacy taught in there it's mentality making it's money mindset. is very fucking easy it truly is when you drop all the bullshit and you really give it your all. And I can like, I can go to all the listeners and go all the people in the world and they'll be like, I'd give it my all and I'll be like this, bullshit. Hmm. Did you, are you where you wanna be right now? And they'd be like, nope. I'll be like, you go to bed last night? They'll be like, yup. I'm like, cop out. Hmm. 
Like somehow, somewhere made success look cool. People are like, ooh, you gotta eat right. Get the fuck out of here. Do you understand for the first four years of my life, I beat the shit out of my health. I w stayed up all night long. I fucking lived off 24-hour energy, Adderall, cocaine sometimes. <laughs> like, you fucking name it. Are you kidding me? Mm -hmm. Like, I'm not the smartest. I wasn't the first. I need to outwork everyone, right? Yeah. What, you got money and time for that good food and shit? Fuck no. Exercise? Get out of here. My exercise is getting my ass off my bed, to my ass, to my desk. <laughs> But here's the thing, right? Mm -hmm. I've been able to buy and employ some of the best house doctors, health physicians, and I am, my shit's on point now, and it's only getting better. Mm -hmm. But I know a ton of super fit people, broke as shit, empty and hollow, have no thing, but they healthy. Mm. But what life are you living if you're just super healthy and you've got no purpose? Yeah. So people need to understand in life, you gotta sacrifice all of it, everything. And that's exactly what you did. It's all. That's it. Grit, sacrifice, commitment, show up when it sucks, do it when people tell you you're stupid, who cares what your friends, your family, your mom says, get all new people in your life if none of them fit your body. Your body, it's really cool how a brain works. It controls your body, right? I right. wish I could control yours and yours and yours, but it doesn't. It controls mine, right? Mm -hmm. So fuck everyone who's got to say something against me that stops me from getting to my avenue, and I love everybody who's part of it. That's it. Life is as simple as that. You don't need to please everybody. In fact, you don't need to please anybody. All you need to do is be you and the people who fucking mess with you will stick around. The people who don't, won't. I, I love these analogies. I heard this one with a tree. It was brilliant. Most people like leaves, right? Mm -hmm. Wind comes, they blow from this side. Other wind comes, they blow from this side. All they really do is take from the tree, occasionally throw some shade, right? Mm -hmm. yep. Eventually the season goes, they're gone. Right. Then you got branches, right? They're people who you think that are there because they think they look all strong and like they're gonna help you. Like they're there. Uh -huh. You go to stand out on that motherfucker, breaks, leave you high and dry. You ain't got shit, right? Uh. The people you need in your life are few and far between and they're the roots of the tree. They don't need no recognition. They don't be like, that's my people. None of that. They're with you wow. to the end of the time. That's it. And people are out here looking like they need eight million people in their life. They need to like, I see girls get with guys because they don't want to be alone. I see guys with girls because they can't be alone. It's like, yeah. if you can't figure your own shit out and you can't find happiness within, figure that shit out, then move on to the next. Right. But life's a simple idea that people complicate because it makes them feel comfortable. Mm. That's it. When people understand that life's not built to be comfortable, that's why our bodies are actually pretty crazy and like exfoliating your body is like scraping it. Right. Once we understand that we're built to be punished we realize that we're made for it and we vibrate in it and we grow in it it's like you take a crop if you like you know churn up the ground and mm. give it it grows right yeah you go the you go to the gym and you lift that muscle and beat it all up it grows right there it is you think your brain doesn't do the same thing yeah i always say this and like i always close with like something that i feel like people can have as like a takeaway because i want people to like really have a takeaway in life i truly think like you need something. And here's the thing that no one's ever gonna tell you and it's the truest thing that I've ever learned. Pick something on your body. Pick your feet, your hands, your legs, your knees, your arms, your brain, pick something. And know you're gonna beat the fuck out of it for your life. And whatever one thing you choose, that that's what you're gonna make your career off. Athletes move their foot, their hands, you know, doctors, their whatever. Make it good. 
for me, I, I realized this little dainty girl body ain't going to do shit, but this brain probably had a chance, right? Mm -hmm. So I make sure that my mental space is in the right place, right? Yeah. I make sure that I, I, I'm vibrating good energy. I'm making sure that I'm thinking the right thoughts because as long as this thing's prepared, I can think myself out of most situations. But I'm going to beat that thing up and you got to take care of that thing. And that's why most people never succeed because they spend their whole life beating the shit out of their own brain and then expect it to have some awesome output. Like, mm. why can't I build this? I'm like, because you keep throwing yourself in shitty relationships and you spend six months to recover from every one of them. Mm. Like, you haven't been yourself for more than two months in 10 years. Why do you expect something great to come from that? Right. Like, you have to be a point where you vibrate about you and that's it. Right. The rest of your people will come. I love that so much. Holy shit, that was amazing. Um, I know we're so limited on time. Um, I do want to wrap it up. I was going to ask you what's the takeaway. There it is. I don't even have to ask that question. Um, but my last question for you to go ahead and wrap this up is, what is the legacy you want to leave in this world? Ooh, a deep one. Of course, you'd get me with one of these really good questions. It's always the... <laughs> It's always the women that have these awesome questions. I just did another <laughs> podcast with Casey and, and, and uh, Jackie, and she asked me a really deep one. So uh, the legacy I want to leave, you know, I kind of have two, if that's fair, because I have a selfish one. You know, I want to leave a legacy for my children to, like, see that, you know, all the time away and all the sacrifice was to show that you can do anything. Mm -hmm. um, but more so in the grand aspect of things, I want to go down in history as like this like weird disease, you know, that like proved could change people's mind. If you just had the chase disease that you didn't focus on what the world said you're supposed to do or you can do and you just kind of were overtaken influenza of something different and you realize that you can do anything you know I, that's such a cliche saying but it's you know it's really true because when you're a logical thinker and you put in the right effort you can do anything because you wouldn't think of something illogical to do right mm -hmm. so i want my legacy to be like if i could have like the picturesque life people would i'd go down in history and be like Damn, this kid was a humongous two-way mirror showing us all we should be a little better. Like if I died tomorrow, I, that's what I'd want people to know. You know, you always, you know, when people pass, they always think, man, he impacted so many people. He showed us how to live. Like Martin Luther King is like, he made us live a different way. Like I want people to be like his time on this earth made people think differently. Even if it was out of rage and hatred toward me. Even if they looked at me the same way they looked at like some like terrible dictator. Mm. As long as change and them finding a better purpose out of it, I'm cool. I mean, I'll be dead, too, so you ain't going to make hurt my feelings. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, you know, but – and have a good time while doing it. Listen, I want to be rewarded my time. I also got my life here. You know, I was rewarded and granted with a life, so I want to enjoy it a little bit, too, you know. Okay. My legacy, you know, to show people that um, – True success is doing what the fuck you want to do whenever the fuck you want to do it and having really no recourses that are absolutely measurable in your life. Powerful. Hope that helps. Beautiful. Thank you so much, Chase. I appreciate you. Of course. It was amazing. Thank you. <laughs> hug? Yes, Let's hug. Go. Thank you. Thank you. Hug. Thank you. It was awesome. Alrighty.
Thanks so much for tuning in. If you enjoyed this episode, please share it with someone else you think needs to hear it. Remember to subscribe so you don't miss out on all the amazing messages. Also, if you would leave me a rating and review, I truly appreciate that. It helps with getting this message out there and it inspires me so much to keep going and giving back to you guys. If you have Instagram, send me a direct message. Let's connect on there. And if you screenshot this episode and tag me at MS Kayla Cardona, I see and read everything. I love resharing your post to my story. Hope you guys got some amazing value and be exceptional. I'll see you in the next episode.